Joy is for you. Welcome to the Joybringer podcast. The world is full of uncertainties, difficulty, and pain. It needs joy, and you and I can bring it, but we can't bring what we don't have. I'm so glad you've joined me today. Let's grab hold of joy and bring it everywhere we go. I'm Season and I'm a Joybringer, and this is the Joybringer's Advent. And I am so excited today um, to be joined by my new friend. Isn't it fun to have new friends? <laughs> <laughs> I am so, so grateful for my new friend, Rachel Grohl. You may know her from the Hearing Jesus podcast. It's kind of a big deal. Or maybe you have her book, She Hears This Bible Study is so beautiful. I've been reading it, I love it. Um, and I listen to her podcast, and I'm so blessed to have you here with me, live, in person, sort of, in your house, while I'm in my house. Um, the thing that I love and so grateful for you, Rachel, is that the Lord, in his perfect timing, brought us together, and um, it was like instant, like instant soul friend, right? Instant. And yeah, so and you're joining I... me. I love that because we had both independently been praying for that yeah. and God heard our heart and did that in such a beautiful way that it brings me so much joy just to be in your life and have you in mind. So Yay. thank you for having me. Thank you. So once I um, figured out that I was going to do this Joybringers Advent podcast, I was like, well, you've got to be on it. <laughs> and uh, because I want uh, our listeners to hear your heart and be inspired by you as I am. Um, so we're talking about the good news that brings great joy, all about the Advent season, focusing our minds and our hearts on what is what this whole thing is really about, right? And and joy, the word joy is everywhere at Christmas. Also, so is season. <laughs> <laughs> People ask all the time, they're like, is it weird seeing your name everywhere? And um, it used to be super weird, but like season's greetings is everywhere. My parents used to make me change our... Um, voicemail system like at home because it used to be like a, a tape right like the tape and every Christmas I'd have to say hi you've reached Jerry Debbie and season's greetings that was like humiliating to me <laughs> and my mom used to sign all our Christmas cards Jerry Debbie and season's greetings I think people probably thought that was my name but anyway tis the season right Jesus is the reason for the season so you see season everywhere but also joy that's the thing right we have joy at Christmas time but we're going to get into what really is it and how do we hold on to it and what does it look like not only in our lives here but all around the world. Rachel is a missionary and uh, a many things, podcaster, author, missionary, pastor, um, and I'm so excited for you to share your perspective that's super unique um, and, and really vital, I think, for us to, to grab a hold of it at this time. So welcome. Yeah, welcome. and you know, I think sometimes that word joy as familiar as it is, it's still very vague for a lot of people. Like mm -hmm. I could say, oh, you, you know, you hear it all the time, preach that joy is permanent. It's based on the gospel. Happiness is temporary. But what does that practically actually look like in our day-to-day -day lives? Mm -hmm. And if I'm honest, and I'm maybe there's other women or other people that can relate to this, but... I, I did not have a firm grasp on what that actually meant. And while, of course, I have joy over salvation and all those kinds of things, I think for me, it took God getting me out of my comfort, my place of comfort and getting me into an element of unfamiliarity where it, it showed up in a really unexpected way for me. And mm. 
you know, I, I tell the story and I've told this in the past in a way that, that God did it for me and it's made such a lasting impact. You know, it was probably one of the first times I had ever been getting ready to go on the mission field. We were going to Kenya and it was a location I was not super confident about. I had never been to, it was a newer location for us. And I was a young mom at the time. I had Mm. three young daughters that, you know, they were at the age that they're still very, very dependent on you as a mom and the insecurity that comes from going to the other side of the world and everything that could happen. You know, I was really kind of struggling with that. And yet I knew that God had wanted me to go and I was getting ready to go and I was cleaning out our minivan. And at the time, our minivan looked like probably a lot of people's minivans, like <laughs> stuff stuck to the bottom of the carpet and all that French kind of fries stuff. everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so as I'm pulling out the car seat and cleaning it out, because other adults are going to be in my car pretty soon, <laughs> I pulled up one of those, you've probably seen it, one of those lollipops that had like a button on it where it would spin. So you'd put the, the little kids oh. have those lollipops, you stick them in your mouth, press the button and it like, I don't know, the epitome of lazy kids, I guess. I was just going to say. Yeah, so had bought one of my kids those and it was like of course stuck to the bottom of the the car seat and I'm like disgusted with my van as I'm pulling it out and so I threw it out didn't think too much of it and that was the beginning of our trip and several days later probably four or five days later I was invited to come speak at a church and actually there was a number of churches that were inviting missionaries to come speak and as the children's pastor at the time I said you know can you send me to the church that has the most children And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's go. And so we pull up to this building that had uh, three walls and a makeshift roof. And there was it's not like the the door was open. There was no door. It was just three walls. And we pull up and there's 18 children and one pastor and one great grandmother. And I looked at the pastor and I, again, I just didn't have a frame of reference for this. And I looked at the pastor and I said, oh, is this like the children's ministry? He said, no, this is the church. And I said, oh, are the adults somewhere else? And he said, no, they're all dead. And I, I just didn't even have a frame of reference for this. Like I, I knew we were going into a, a rough area, but I just did not understand what I was seeing. And so as I'm learning about this group, um, it, it was an area of Kenya where the AIDS epidemic had hit really, really harshly. And then there was also war and famine. And so at that point, for many families, what was left was the great grandmas. The great grandmas were the only ones left because the great grandpas had fought in the war and died. And then the entire generations of the moms and even the grandmas, they had passed away from from disease. Mm. And so because there are many families that are polygamous in that culture, there would sometimes be 20 great grandkids. And so this church was literally a great grandma and 18 kids. And I just did not understand, like, it was so hard for me to wrap my brain around what I was seeing and experiencing. And they said, Mm -hmm. you wanted the church with the most kids. This is, this church is all kids. And I just was, everything I had prepared, the sermon I had prepared had to go out the window. (laughs) Like, I just, no, I had no concept of what I was getting into. And I looked and there was a little uh, baby on the outside. There's like a little bush to the left and a little baby was crawling around. And I just, even my mama's heart, I, I said to the pastor, whose baby is this? And the kids said to me, oh, he lives there. And I said, what do you mean he lives there? And she said, oh, he lives in that bush. And so this is the level of poverty that I'm wow. staring at. And, wow. you know, great grandma has no shoes and, no. you know, the kids have no shoes. And 
I see that they are passing something around. They're taking turns with something. They're passing something around. And then one of the little girls shows it to me. And it is a lollipop holder that you press the button, that exact lollipop holder that I had thrown out in my car, you know, thought of it as garbage for, Mm -hmm. for, you know, the previous week, that was the toy, the one toy that they had that they were sharing amongst themselves and Mm. and taking turns with it. And I thought, ah, that is something that to them is bringing them joy. And it was garbage for me, you know, and I just, I recognize that as just such a pivotal moment for me because there were so many things about that moment that I did not understand what God was doing. But yet I look back on that time of my life and I recognize that it changed things for me. And so instead of doing the sermon I had prepared, we talked about our name and how God knows your name. Mm. And these children were so hungry for identity and to hear about how God loved them. And as a father, because all of their fathers had died. So learning about God, the father and spent the entire morning for the next four hours ministering the gospel to these to this family. And so I went through kind of what I thought was my sermon and I get to the <laughs> end and they decide to bless me and to start singing to me. And so this grandma who of course has no shoes, 18 kids, 18 mouths of feed, plus the baby that lived in the bush. And she comes up to the table and she gives me a bottle of Dasani water and a tithe. She puts down these coins on this table for a tithe. Mm. And I thought, I cannot accept that. There is no way I'm taking this money. And the pastor looked at me and he said, you cannot deny her this blessing to bless you. Wow. And as I'm weeping, because I'm thinking, I know so many Americans that are loaded, that do not tithe, that call themselves believers, that are faithful church attenders, but they just don't tithe. It's not part of their rhythm, their spiritual rhythm. And yet here's this great grandma who is sacrificially giving to me. And it was a joy for her to bless me. And I know that Dasani water bottle would cost quite a bit of money for her too. And yet I was so humbled and so thankful to be in that room. And so... You know, we spent the day um, singing and dancing and laughing and blowing bubbles and just being together. And what I walked away from in that experience was just this recognition of the amount of joy that this family had that was true joy. It was not based on material wealth. It was not based on Mm -hmm. circumstance. It was not based on position or their role. It was really, truly based on being called children of God. And as I have looked back on that over the course of my life, I think about that lollipop that I threw away. And I think how many times have I cast aside something and not even recognizing that what God is doing or how he's working or how he's operating. And I've wasted, I, I've wasted opportunities to lean into the joy of the Lord because I haven't recognized it. I've been so consumed looking for the the financial aspect or the position or the status or what the world would say is success. And yet the heart of that experience showed me that it's him. It's Mm. leaning into him and who he says we are, and that's where we get our joy from. And so, you know, it it looks different, I think, depending on where you're at. Of course, you know, we don't have those necessarily those kinds of experiences in our day-to-day life, but I've tried to keep that with me and recognize that this this joy is not just a feeling. It Mm. is knowing who Jesus is and, and recognizing his role in our lives. And for me, I think that 
has been something that I've been trying to communicate to my own children. And, you know, it's difficult in our consumer culture where we are so wrapped up with what everybody else thinks of us, but getting to the root and the heart of it, I think has been really pivotal for Mm. just me as an individual and understanding where I stand with God and and understanding what joy looks like in my own life. Mm. I think I have a sweatshirt that that I often take with me when I speak or what I sell and it says comfort and joy on it. And that's one of the, you know, the Christmas songs that we hear regularly. I think like Bing Crosby sings it, you know, on the traditional Mm -hmm. radio, Christmas radio. Um, Tidings of comfort and joy. And I think we have attached those two things. There is joy in the things we find comfort in. Certainly Mm -hmm. we find joy in in safety, in consistency, and that's not wrong. But I think we're missing it when we attach those two things. Yeah. There yeah. is joy and comfort and safety and the things that you love and the things that, you know, nostalgia and, and tradition, but there is joy sans comfort, right? We can find great joy in other things, and, and that's what you've experienced, like to, to really recognize that when we get out of our comfort zone and recognize that there can be joy outside of that, that's so much more authentic, right? Because <laughs> is it joy or is it just my preferences, right? I like yeah. to be warm. I like these slippers. I like this hoodie. I like comfort. I like knowing where my paycheck's coming from, you know, but that's not what joy actually is. And that's where I think we... We miss it. We miss the boat. But when you see great joy in these kids who are living literally in a bush with nothing and they can find joy, they don't have safety. They don't have security. They don't don't have any of those things. Mm -hmm. And yet they have joy. That's a huge reality check for us. Yeah. And, you know, and I would even take it one step further. I think if I think back over the course of my life or even the last 10 to 15 years, I think the moments that I've experienced the most joy is when I've been uncomfortable, when God Mm. has called me to do something bigger than myself and to depend on him and rely on him. I mean, there's been some scary, scary moments on the mission field. I mean, I, I I could sit here and talk all day about all the things that God has spared me from, different times we should have died or just crazy things that have happened. But some of the most fulfilled, joy-filled moments of my life have been standing in places that I could not have gotten to unless I pushed past being uncomfortable. And, you know, even things like experiencing... I just, the most fulfilled I've ever, ever felt in my life was standing in front of a group of kids in the middle of the night in, it was kids that had been addicted to glue because it would numb the feeling of hunger. So they would sniff these glue bottles and basically get high and then they wouldn't feel the hunger in their bellies anymore. And it was a very dangerous um, slum that we were in in Nairobi. And we went into this little hut and they had bribed the kids with food to come and just hear this gospel message. and it was not a safe space for a white woman to be in the middle of the night and in, in this Muslim neighborhood. And yet seeing those kids be freed supernaturally of addiction instantly, seeing them come to Jesus and get saved, filled and delivered all within the span of 10 minutes, 
the amount of joy I experienced in a place that was not comfortable, but yet Mm. God's spirit was there. And I think that sometimes is the key element that we forget about that, that we're missing because in my experience, it is not comfortable. (laughs) You know, it is not comfortable to do the things that God calls us to do sometimes. And yet that's where a lot of the joy that I've experienced has come from is Mm. stepping outside of myself and surrendering it to God and saying, okay, you do what you only you can do. And I trust you. And then the joy that comes as a result of that, that's permanent. That's not going anywhere. I will never forget the way that I felt in those moments and who God was in those moments. And so I would say even challenging that comfort and joy idea, taking it, taking it to the opposite. Well, that's the title of this episode, clearly, Uncomfort and Joy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uncomfort and Joy. And I, I think that reminds me of one of the joy, the four Joybringer core values. We talk about that. It's in my book, The Joybringer Challenge. And there's the four core values that I live with on a daily basis. Gratitude, forgiveness, and this one, flexibility. Mm. And, and the fourth one is rest. But flexibility, not like stretching or yoga, although I'm sure that's fine and great for you. But but the idea that we we un you know we we ungrip control we like open our hands uh, of control that 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 feels comforting to us right yeah. we feel like the more we're controlling the situation the more safe we are the more security we have and I think we know cognitively we know that's not true but also it feels that way. I know when I come home from a really crazy day or I feel like I'm waiting, you and I have been in a season of waiting and when we're waiting on things, um, my house gets really clean and organized because <laughs> if I can control something, mm-hmm. I'm going to control the fact that like my closet's a mess. Yeah. Um, so, but if we can release that grip that's so tight on control and understand that, you know, the faithful love of God. The, the firm foundation that we stand on, that our joy sits buoyantly on, that's the righteousness and the faithfulness and the love of God. Those things never change. Scripture talks about the love of God and the righteousness and describes them as like the righteous oak tree or the firm foundation, the rock, the things that, that don't move. But the Holy Spirit is always described as and nicknamed things like air and breath and water and fire, a dove, things that move freely and almost move wildly without control. Yeah. And this is not saying that we should be, you know, out of control, but but the idea that we rest firmly, we're 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 planted firmly on the foundation of God's faithfulness and his love, but we are led and follow freely by the spirit. And in order to do that, we've got to be flexible to let go of the things that we're holding tight to. And so this really leans into that idea that we find great joy in knowing that God's faithful, but following the lead of the Spirit. We see that all throughout the Christmas story too, right? These, these risks that people take, like, well, I don't know what I gotta do, but I feel like we got to go over here. We got to move here, right? The, the Magi, the, even though that's, you know, two years later. But to be led by the star, to be led and do something that seems a little bit wild, seems a little bit unknown, to take the risk and and go and tell when that feels scary. I think the more we can open our hearts up in this Christmas season to being led by the Spirit into places that might be unknown. Yeah. Or here's an, just practically, what does it look like to be open to how the Lord wants to move in this season by maybe inviting somebody new to your home? 
for Christmas or or to go, you know, be a blessing to a family or to take a step outside of our comfort zone and trust the Lord. That, that's It is risky yeah. for sure. And, you know, I think sometimes what we see is that the enemy likes to counterfeit the truth of God. And so while we can recognize there may be elements of comfort that we take from our routines. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're we're trying to assign comfort along with joy, you know, maybe I might have temporary peace of mind if my schedule is well controlled and my house is really clean and everything's tidy and I can put everything in my life into these boxes. But the moment something happens to throw a monkey wrench in our plans, if I am relying on those things to bring me peace and comfort mm-hmm. and joy, well, then what happens? Because if those are th- the things that I'm relying on and I'm I'm saying, okay, this is what's bringing me joy in my life when everything's going right or everything's going according to plan, what happens when life happens? Because right. we all know life happens. I mean, we can't even go a week without life happening, whether it's in our own lives or in the news cycle or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so- I would think back over my life and think about all the times where I would try to control things. And it's the semblance of maybe joy or peace or comfort that I I try to manufacture. And yet that compared to, you know, that that's a counterfeit of, of what God truly wants to do in our hearts. And there's been times in my life where I should have, if you think about it in the physical, I should have anxiety or I should be panicked about something. And yet I have the peace of God because of joy, because mm-hmm. of who God is, because of his presence, because of, of the Holy Spirit. I mean, even in terms of ministering the gospel, you know, there have been times here in the States where I have everything perfectly planned and we have everything down to the minute and we have the, the, the music scheduled and we have the guest speaker lined up and all of those kinds of things. And something happens, the power goes out or you yeah. know, chaos ensues. And oh no, if you're depending on that for your joy, okay, it's going to go out the window. And then there's been other moments where I've been in on the mission field and a cow walks through the middle of the service because <laughs> it's a cow that lives there and I'm in its field, you know, and yet I've seen people just such a move of God in those moments where the cow has nothing to do with it. It's a funny distraction, but we keep going and God moves because it's a surrendered moment to him. And, you know, we, we see God work in those moments. And yet I can look at that and say, that's nothing I expected, but yet it's a moment that's surrendered to your spirit and he can move and work in that moment. And, and the joy that comes from that, it's nothing compared to what we can manufacture ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. That's the that's the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I think the Lord honors our plans. Like we're allowed to make plans. We're allowed to have traditions. We're allowed to want to do things, you know, the same way. But we're missing out if we're not surrendered to, okay, Lord, here's my plans. Here are the things that I've worked on for this church service or our holiday plans, or this is my schedule for the week. But I think we do so well when we say, here's what I've mapped out because I want to be responsible and trust, you know, the Lord's called us to steward the things he's given us, but also I'm giving it over to you Mm -hmm. and I trust whatever you want to do. And more often than not, his, his ways, they are, they are higher than we don't understand them, Mm -hmm. but there is such great purpose to those things that feel like they've gone awry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, there was a season of my life where I think I had a perspective shift with that even because I'm I'm a planner. I want to have my weekly plan and my year plan and my five-year plan. I want to have all that (laughs) stuff mapped out. And 
I was ministering in a, in a church role that I was in and there was somebody that came in in the middle of the day and they needed some counsel and totally blew my plans for the day out of the water. <laughs> and I remember just like thinking about it after it happened and, and the Lord said to me, you know, perhaps my agenda is more important than your agenda. And I, it was such a moment for me because I started praying differently. I think instead of saying, okay, this is my plan, God, please bless it. Instead, I started saying, God, what are you doing and how can I help you? And how can my plan fit into your plan? And so it's no longer about me and God blessing me, what I want to do, but it's about me surrendering to God and what he wants to do. And I think when I shifted my prayers, that's when I started understanding how to live and operate in joy, because then the day belongs to God. And I... If I surrender control, then I recognize that he's the one that's in charge anyway. It has nothing to do with me and everything to do with what his agenda is for the day. And um, to be perfectly honest, it's so freeing to live that way instead of trying to control everything. Yeah, there's joy in that. There's joy in the flexibility to trust God over our, you know, efforts or our comfort and our control. I think... The more we lean into that, especially at the Christmas season, because things get a little chaotic, right? And things change. And sometimes we're so attached in the Christmas season to our feelings and to our traditions. I mean, how many times have you encountered somebody who says, well, this is my holiday Mm -hmm. or things, you know, what do you mean you're going to not be here for Christmas? This is mine or this is what I want. But God's at work doing a really beautiful thing. And no matter what your Christmas season winds up looking like, on paper or even in the moment, God does have goodness and great joy for us, even if it looks different. And I think the more we we are open to that mentality, the more joy we can have. Absolutely. Christmas can hold a real, um, it can be a real pain point because it highlights often what's missing. Yeah. Yeah. But you've experienced in, in these, in these extreme poverty situations on the mission field, like everything's missing. (laughs) Everything's missing. Everything that we would find comfort or security in. And yet they experience great joy and the reliance on the provision of God. Yeah. And, you know, there's been times where I have showed up with gifts of like a chicken and some (laughs) potatoes or, you know, something. So I, like, if I served that at my house, I'd be like, Oh, we didn't have a great meal. You know, it's, it's a bummer, but for them, it's a feast. And they're so blessed by that. And so excited that God showed up in such a way and just realizing how blessed we are even to just to live in the space that we, we are, you know, it's been a stark contrast. I think for me and my family, for my kids to the point now where gifts are secondary. Like if we get gifts, that's great, but it's more about who can we invite our, into our home this year? Who's lonely and who needs Mm -hmm. uh, a hug or who needs some company and who, who can we bless this season? And, you know, thankfully we always have people in our lives that, that need other people. You know, we've worked in outreach ministry and missions for a really long time. And so it's kind of on our radar to look for whoever is maybe the outcast or set aside or might be lonely in that season. And Mm. that has brought so much joy to our family to the point now where my kids, my daughter's in college and she's like, mom, so-and-so might need a place to go for Christmas. I'm like, bring them, bring them here. They're always welcome, you know? And, and I love that because it's not about, I mean, my kids could say, well, it's about Christmas morning and we want to be in our jammies and get our special French toast or whatever. Instead it's like, okay, well, who can we bless? And who, who do we see somebody that, that needs Jesus? And it's not even about, 
about our tradition or you know, what we want, but instead it's, okay, God, keeping our eyes and our, our, our ears and our hearts open for what God wants. And I love seeing that grow in my children because it's just something I couldn't have naturally taught them. It had to be something that God taught them. And that happened through exposure. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes we're so worried about what our kids are going to think. Are yeah. they going to be disappointed? Are they going to, right? And, and it is, it is legit, man. Kids' reactions I didn't know this when I became an Insta mom. Like nobody tells you that your kid's reaction to something can gut you. Yeah. <laughs> I have slaved on this thing. I worked really hard to afford that thing for you. And they're like, oh, you know, or they wear it one time and then like lose it or throw it away or whatever. And it's not, they're not trying to be, you know, anything. They're just, they're just kids. Yeah. But, but our emotion, we can be so wrapped up and we can be so worried about their disappointment or their reactions. And yet I think they're watching what we're going to do. That's all they are. They're, they're just sponges and how we respond and the things that we present. Um, and yeah, sometimes they throw fits. Okay. We had a family gathering once and, and one of my nieces, um, didn't get the certain, I don't know, doll and somebody else got something similar and she just threw a fit and her parents were so embarrassed. We were all like, it, it is what it is. It's okay. And and she just was having a moment in her own emotions. But ultimately, as a family, we were together. We rallied and had a really good time that day. And she, you know, later playing games and we're doing stuff. And she's, of course, having the time of her life. I think we, we focus so much and, and worry so much about their experience. But really, all kids want is to be together and to have fun and to and to be a part of something that they know is special. Yeah. And I think giving them opportunities for understanding what lasting joy really is, is so important. And even though kids can be self-centered, you know, the world revolves around them, depending on the age, you know, they, they will still get it. They will still pick up on it. And so maybe that looks like, you know, in our family, it looks like a bunch of different things. Maybe that looks like we're sponsoring a child in addition to giving each other gifts. Or maybe mm-hmm. that looks like a certain project that we are going to adopt, whether it's like Operation Christmas Child or something. You know, there's lots of things around the holidays where there's always an element of this is not just about us. This is, is this is the birthday of Jesus. And so how does he want us to live? How does he want us to act? How can we be lights in the darkness? And that undercurrent, I think, has been so helpful in teaching our kids about it. You know, December 26 happens really, really quickly. And if we're not careful, we can get so wrapped up in the day of Christmas that, okay, when we wake up the next day, it's all over. The presents are opened. You know, you got a mountain of wrapping paper you got to burn or whatever it is. And, and yet, what now? And I think it's really important to prevent that feeling of emptiness by making sure that we are exposing our kids to opportunities where they can understand what joy really is and and how can they hold on to that. Mm, That's so good. Do you, do you have any suggestions for people? You know, I think it ha- it starts before Christmas. Um, mm. Of course, Christmas is the time of year that we all highlight joy and comfort and, you know, all the things. Mm. Um, for us, I think it is building opportunities into our regular rhythms of our everyday. And so that means living missionally and uh, with a heart that's open to God's spirit. And, you know, at this point, I think my kids are used to it. It was harder when they were younger, but yeah. now they're like, oh, that's just how mom and dad are. But, um, <laughs> you know, it would not 
not be, it would not phase them to come home and there's somebody sitting at our dinner table that they've right. never met before. It would not phase them to say, oh, we're taking this box of food over to this unknown address because we heard somebody needs something. Um, but I would say, you know, in addition to kind of living that way throughout the year, looking for opportunities, because what strikes my heart is going to be different than what strikes your heart. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes people get so caught up and they say, like, I, I want to serve God, but I don't know what the, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get started. I'm a firm believer that the need is the call. And so if mm. God reveals the need to you, then that's usually the call for you to do something because there's going to be needs that you are sensitive to that I might not even see or recognize. And mm. each individual, depending on where God has them, their circle of influence, the people that they're around, it's going to look different and operate differently for each person. You know, for me and my, my family, you know, there is a high... Uh, epidemic of drug overdoses in our community. And so being on the lookout for kids whose parents might be struggling with addiction is something that we are always, it's always on our radar. And so there's different community programs that we have gotten involved with where we can help sponsor Christmas gifts for some of those kids that live in some of those communities. Um, for others, it might be the pregnancy center because there's young pregnant moms in every single community that, that need some help and need some guidance or might be disowned by their family and they need somebody to love on them. You mm. know, there's different things that are going to going to meet the needs in, in different ways. But I would say start praying for that. Start praying for it mm. even right now. Just God, open my eyes. And then when he does, following through. Because it's one thing to right. see the need. It's something else to act on it. And that yeah. might feel scary. Like, I don't know what I'm doing mm. and how well is this going to be received? It, you're not responsible for that. And I think that is a barrier that holds a lot of people back because they don't know what other people are going to think. What What's, you know, what's my husband going to think or what's the school going to think or mm. whatever. We cannot be responsible for the outcome. We have to be responsible to be obedient to what God is calling us to do and trust him with the outcome. That's so helpful, Rachel. I think you said what the need is the call. Mm -hmm. The need is the, the call. The need is the call. And then to really just not, not that we shouldn't be concerned, but the, the outcome is, is, is up to the Lord. We yeah. give, we show up, we do the thing that we've been nudged to do and prompted yeah. to do. And then we trust the Lord to exponentially, and sometimes it doesn't feel enough, right? Like, I don't know, I, that family is in dire situation. I can only show up with this, right? But we know that God is a multiplier. He's exponential. He adds, you know, he adds his super to our natural, you know, the saying goes. Mm -hmm. And that, I think the exercise of just being obedient to see the need and act on it, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think trusting God, like God math is different than people math. Yeah. And, you know, even things like we've done in the past, taking like a bag of quarters and taping it to a washing machine at the laundromat. You don't know what that mom who's coming through, who's on her last $3, you don't know how that's going to bless them, that little bag of quarters. Right, because it, laundry's not cheap. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, there's so many different things, ways that you can involve your kids even. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like a way to bless people even secretly. We don't have, we can trust God for the outcome without even knowing what the outcome is, just being a blessing, just for the simple fact of that brings joy. It's, it's, it brings us joy to be a blessing and trusting that God's going to do what only he can do. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, especially I think this time of year, it is so hard for some people. It can, you know, Christmas time, as much as it brings joy and peace to people on one end, the opposite end of the spectrum is Christmas is painful for a lot of people. Yes. And yes. so there's an opportunity there, though, to speak 
Jesus, even if we are just doing it with our actions in a way that brings comfort and peace. And there's so many opportunities this time of year. You know, it's really sometimes more of just about paying attention than anything else. I love that. The opening our eyes and our hearts to be moved by God so that we can be, you know, flexible to set our agenda aside. Things we get so busy at Christmas. Everybody's schedules are crazy because everybody's got stuff to do and we can miss the opportunities if we are just so focused on our agenda. Right. Right. I love it. Thank you. That is so helpful. So we're going to, we're going to let the need say it again. The need, the need is the call is the call. We're going to, and be open in our spirit to be led by the Lord out of our comfort zone so we can experience and help bring great joy to those around us. That is yeah. so good. So Rachel, tell uh, our listeners uh, and our watchers where they can find more of you because um, I want all of you I can get and uh, where can they find more of you? And do you have anything else that you um, can share with us? Well, I'm pretty much she hears everywhere on socials. Um, Shehears.org is the website. That's the name of my book. And then the podcast is called the Hearing Jesus Podcast. And that is a daily Bible study podcast just to help point people back to the gospel and to hear God's voice more clearly. So um, I, I would say that I think this time of year, there is an opportunity for us to also experience God in a, in a new way. I think if we have had the experience in the past where we've been trying to control everything and it feels scary and uncomfortable to release control, there is such a joy that comes from allowing that process to happen and experiencing that unique aspect of our relationship with God. Because when we depend on him and then we see him show up, my goodness, it is so exciting. Yeah. Like that fills me with joy, like no, nothing else. And so now it's to the point where it's almost, almost the opposite extreme where I'm like, okay, God, just show me. I'm trusting you. You're going to show up and I'm excited to see what you're going to do with this situation. Mm. And if we can start living our lives that way, it's going to long last long after the Christmas season is over. Mm, I agree. That is so good. Yes. The need is the call. We're going to step out of our comfort zone to experience great joy. And I love you. I'm so grateful for your time today. Thank you for joining me on the Joybringers Advent Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Joybringer Podcast. I would love to connect with you. Find me on social media or on my website at seasonedhours.com. For more information on how to live like the gospel is good news, check out my book, The Joybringer Challenge. You can buy it anywhere books are sold or on my website. Thanks again for listening. And hey, I love you.